0: you know what, I look back and think that was the best thing I could have ever done because not only did I remove myself from a toxic relationship, but I also challenged myself to do something that people around me and also my mental health was telling me that I couldn't do. And I kind of challenged my own norm and paid my own bills, furnished my house, did it all on my own. All I did was ask dad to help me with the trailer and that was the only help I did ask for. Then started the life with the kids and it was just us three. And I, the only thing that I did for myself was that 45 minutes at the gym. Life gives you
1: two choices when it throws everything at you. You can let it swallow you whole or you take those lemons. And as the old saying goes, you turn it into sweet, delicious lemonade. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Welcome to Lemonade. I'm your host, Elizabeth O'Neill, and I'll be sharing the incredible stories from inspiring people who've turned the hardest times in their life, their lemons, into lemonade, because let's be real, we all want to know how they did it, the lessons they learnt, and what life is like sipping the nicello on the other side. Let's get juicing. Lauren Patterson was convinced she wouldn't live past the age of 21. Suffering with severe depression, crippling anxiety, and an eating disorder following a physically and emotionally abusive relationship, she felt she had nothing to live for. She couldn't see how life or her mental health could possibly get better. That is, until, by chance, at the age of 22, she fell pregnant with her daughter Maddie. Then, a couple of years later, gave birth to her son Max. Lauren credits her children with saving her, giving her a reason to not only survive, but thrive. Even when she found herself as a single mum and had to start all over again, not long after Max was born. She's now a highly sought after personal trainer, a hugely successful blogger, public speaker, and she's madly in love with her childhood friend Chris. Recently announcing their pregnancy. And it's a boy. Lauren has gathered a massive and loyal following thanks to her candid insight into motherhood, her vulnerability in sharing her mental health struggles, and her vibrant optimism, helping women everywhere feel less alone no matter what they're experiencing. In this chat, we discuss the relationship that changed the course of her life, her subsequent mental health struggles, turning her pain into purpose, reconnecting with the love of her life, and of course, how her pregnancy is going. Enjoy. Lauren, firstly, congratulations. I was so excited when you shared your news of your pregnancy and now you've just revealed it's a boy. How are you feeling?
0: I'm feeling a little worse for wear, but you know what? (laughs) The things we do for kids, right?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And what are the weird cravings? What are the weird things happening so far? And how many
0: weeks are you? So I'm 13 weeks now. Um during the worst of the nausea, unbelievably enough, the one thing that did help me that I could stomach was a KFC original recipe burger. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean it worked in Chris's favor because you know, normally i I love my fruits and my veggies and I'm pretty yep. you know, I deter from KFC unless I'm really hungover, but during the first 12 weeks He was absolutely loving it because when I was feeling sick, I wanted a burger. So it was a win-win.
1: Maybe it's a boy thing because I remember being pregnant with my son and all I wanted was just like carby, unhealthy food. I couldn't stomach anything healthy and made me feel sick. So maybe, I I don't know.
0: Definitely a boy thing. Like Maddie's on point, even Maddie walks around, she's like, is that a sometimes food? I'm like, yeah, mad sometimes food. Whereas this kid that's inside me has all the, the food-eating traits of his father, so.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, goodness. I love that. And then you said to be off off mic as well, there's a whole host of heartburn going on as well, which just oh, brings,
0: back, <laughs> brings yeah. back traumatic memories. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. I, I think I had a little bit with Max, but not to this extent, not this early on. So last night I was Googling what could possibly help me, you know, 8.30 at night and I had a glass of milk. And then I got all these messages on Instagram going, get some fruit tingles. So today I've got to make a special oh. fruit to the shops, just fruit tangles.
1: There you go. Did the milk help at
0: all? I literally felt the milk go from my mouth all the way down my body. I, I don't know whether it worked or not, but it was a really weird feeling. That's I don't normally really... down to a cup of milk.
1: No, no. And how does Maddie, How are Maddie and Max finding the news that they have a new sibling on the way? Are they excited?
0: They're super excited. They actually just got a new little baby brother on their dad's side. Wow. Um, so they're used to kind of babies popping up everywhere at the moment. Wow. It's and, all happening for them then. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, Max is stoked. He's got brothers all around now. And mm. uh, Maddie was kind of hoping for a little girl. Yeah. And... You know, my family and everyone around her just kind of like helped her realise that because she's the only niece, she'll always be the favourite niece. So she's kind of taken that title.
1: And so she's fine (laughs) with it now.
0: (laughs) She's She's already planning on how she can boss the boys around and protect them. Oh, I love that. So Max is already planning what toys you can force on the kids. So, Did you ever imagine that you would have another child? Was it ever in your plan? You know what's funny? Ever since I announced it, the followers that have been with me since the beginning are like, you said no more after two. What changed your mind? And I was so adamant about it. And after... I became a single mom. I said to my mum, I want to tie them up. I want to take all the reproductive organs out and make sure that this doesn't happen again. And mum's like, what if you meet a guy that really wants a child of his own, you fall in love and you get married? And then it kind of put me back in reality of oh, maybe, maybe. It won't happen. No one, you know, I've got two. I'm 30 now. Like it's, yeah." You know, time's ticking and well, I have a timeline I'd like to stick by, I should say. And <laughs> Chris was just unexpected. He popped, uh, even though I've known him forever, he just popped out of nowhere. And the one discussion we did have before we even got into a relationship was if we do this, he said that he wants one more. And then I had to kind of sit there and go, oh. How do I feel oh, about that? Yeah. yeah I'm like, I really want to be with him am I ready for just one more? And then like, it sounds weird because I've had two children before, but I was so ridiculously in love with the guy that I was like, I don't care. I feel like I'm going to be with him forever. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. He, I mean, he came home from some boys nights, a bit drunk and was like, come on, let's, let's have a kid. (laughs) Alcohol. Who knows? And, um, no, then he spoke about it a couple of times sober and I realized that he was serious. So, (laughs) you would be
1: giving you would be giving so much hope i imagine to so many single mums that have followed you from the start as well with your pregnancy announcement have you had many of those kinds of messages
0: it's a double edged sword you get the people that see it as hope and then you get the ones that find it very very hard to see me move on after seeing me on my own for so many years wow. and-
1: People Isn't become that amazing? They have an idea of who you are and they don't know you, but they think they do and they have an idea of who you are and who they want you to stay to them, I guess.
0: Exactly. And I get it. Um, like I've had, when I was on my own and I was seeing other single mums that inspired me and helped me feel normal, move on with their lives and get engaged. Getting engaged is like the biggest one. I don't handle it very well. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Being have babies and stuff. I'm like, dang, like this kind of hurts to see. So I've been on that other end where I can understand that when you are at a certain point in life, you think you're not going to get to that, that other bit that you see other people getting to. So no, I completely understand why they feel that way.
1: And how have you found the experience of being pregnant and this whole isolation lockdown life? How's that blended?
0: It's been timed absolutely perfectly. The amount of people that have called this baby a COVID baby, and I'm like, no, it's not. I actually found out before everything was locked down. Yeah. So... It's been great because I felt so shit within the first twelve weeks. I didn't have to leave the house. There were no that's heaven. Runs. Oh, it was great. So it didn't. If anything, it was very handy timing. Uh, I couldn't work because personal trainers aren't allowed to. Yeah, and yeah, it just worked. It was stressful, obviously. Going, wow, I'm pregnant, and now I don't have an income. But you know, I have a good partner next to me who tried to take a bit of that stress away for me and just kind of get my mind focused on the more exciting things that were happening.
1: Absolutely. But then you did have to homeschool and I would look at your videos that you'd be putting up and I'd think, how is she doing this? You were super mum.
0: Oh, I'm kind of glad that I'm pregnant because I'd be in that (laughs) big, big club of On the way to being an alcoholic mother. So, (laughs) yeah, it stopped that completely. You had
1: to be present.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Like, I, yeah, I was a little bit envious of the ones getting to, you know, 4 or 5 p.m. in the afternoon and being able to pour a glass of vino. But then I saw people doing it like lunchtime. I thought, you know what, it's probably a good thing I'm pregnant. (laughs) So. Being able to just focus on the kids, and you know, somehow kept it to just one coffee a day. So we do I was help.
1: very impressed at your homeschooling videos. I my son's three, and I thought, just thank God I don't have to do that. It looks like hell, but well done. You got through it. We're getting there <laughs> now. With all of my interviews, I do love to start them in this way, and I love to know what the child, what childhood was like for my guests. So, what was it like growing up for you, Lauren? What do you remember?
0: I had an awesome childhood. I grew up in country victoria down in a place called mafra very small and everyone knew everyone my school like our grade had i think there was like 19 of us so it was really small really simple the closest maccas was like half an hour away there's no shopping center you had an iga and then like a couple of pubs so i grew up doing a lot of sport i played tennis badminton I think I played everything, but I liked the more tomboy sports where mm-hmm. I didn't have to wear a skirt. And it was, yeah, it was super simple until we moved to Queensland and I, you know, got chucked into the big city. Yeah, right.
1: So to Brisbane was that? Yeah. Yeah, yep. that was
0: when I was 12 and I started high school up here in an yep. all-girls school because I was such a tomboy. My mum was hoping, it like, girl me up a little bit.
1: <laughs> Did you know what you wanted to do when you left school at that
0: point? um I mean the opportunities down in MAFRA are so different to what's Mm. available in Brisbane so if I had continued living in MAFRA and gone to high school and all that like my friends did all the girls went off to like Geelong and Melbourne to go to uni and then all the boys became tradies Mm. so who knows what I would have ended up doing if I stayed in that MAFRA it's crazy to think about actually Mm,
1: yeah it's like sliding doors kind of thing isn't it um everything changed when you met your then boyfriend you were when you were 17 Mm
0: -hmm. do you
1: remember what attracted to him you to him initially
0: he was hot um (laughs) (laughs) i went to a i i went to an all-girls school so and That just wasn't my thing as I was there until year twelve and it still wasn't my thing. So Mm -hmm. I would hang out with my friends from co ed schools in the area. And yeah, went to this party, saw him there, and yeah, we just got to talking. That was really simple how we met.
1: Yeah. And you were doing pretty well at school at that point. You were enjoying, you know, doing getting good grades and doing well. Is that right? How did meeting him impact your life?
0: I, yeah, I was a really good student and I continued to be until all I remember now, like this is going back, gosh, like, must feel like another
1: lifetime ago.
0: Yeah, I don't like to admit it because it means when was, when did I finish school? And I don't like people to know that. (laughs) Um, A little bit older now. Um, Yeah, I just remember feeling like real. Horrible bouts of sadness and crying, and not knowing why I couldn't shake it off because I was never experienced, I'd never experienced that type of thing before. And it got to the point, this is only like one, two months in, and I was just like, Mom, I can't stop crying. Like everything sucks. I don't even know what's wrong with me. And then we went to the doctor and did the, the same tests that they do now with the answers and feelings mm-hmm. and emotions. And instantly severe anxiety, depression, everything that he could, (laughs) I Mm. had got prescribed any depressants straight away. And then, yeah, went home and sat by the pool and kind of thought, I don't even know what depression is. Mm. How did I get it? Why do I have it? And didn't know anyone else that had it. So I had no idea what I was in for. And it kind of just felt like to me that I was just meant to be sad all the time because I had the label on me. And that's all I knew.
1: What, pl- what role did this relationship that you're in have in how you're feeling
0: I didn't know it at the time because I didn't know too much about it but I, I remember the first incident that happened I accidentally stood on his toe and I got a hand to my face and I think from there a bunch of fear built in me and you know lots of other incidents has happened within that time and i guess I was just kind of water off a duck's back, but mentally and emotionally it wasn't. It was mm. sticking in there. Mm. And, um, you know, I've experienced over the years that infatuation at such a young age can uh, take over no matter what's happening mm. to you. And I think that's what happened in terms of me just being so down all the time because unbeknownst to me, even I was involved in it, but I was being so controlled without even realising that I was being so controlled. And
1: you're so young too. And, you know, I'm sure you can reflect on it now. When we were 17, you just, you don't really know what a relationship is supposed to look like. You're just so infatuated with having a boyfriend and having the life that you think that you're supposed to be having. You've said that the relationship was physically abusive. Can you recall the worst moments or the times that any times that you can think this doesn't feel quite right?
0: yeah oh my gosh there was a night where I woke up out of bed and he was in the kitchen I walked out there and there was pills just all over the bench top and I'm like what's going on next thing I had a knife to my throat oh my god it was just you know if I'm going you're coming with me and you know his mom and his brother were still in that same house and they would hear it and You know, I could remember his little brother going, stop it, just like screaming at the top of his lungs, stop it, stop it. You know, just he could hear it. And I think his mum just kind of lived in fear, to be honest. Wow. And, yeah, that was like one big thing that stuck out. And then there was another time where his grandma or something came over and I got locked in the back room of the house because he didn't want me to know, like he didn't want her to know that I was there. So, you know, his mum and his brother and all that sat around eating dinner while I was locked in a room. So and was he the same age as you? Yep. Yep, we had lots of mutual friends. Let's
1: do you I know you probably wouldn't have anything to do with him now, but what what you know what does a 17-year-old boy that behaves like that grow into? Like it is quite a scary thought.
0: Actually, when I was pregnant with Max, I did I that's when I started my blog. So obviously I was out there and kind of easy to find. Mm. And um obviously not seen him since everything happened with us and i got an email from him and it was an apology to an extent and it obviously i reacted in shock and was crying and me i'd had to forgive him years earlier to start moving on with my mm. life so to me i'm an empathetic person so i was like i i appreciate the apology even though it doesn't really matter anymore and then he kind of took that as a way to kind of start talking to me and one day told me that his girlfriend and his one-year-old son had been in a car accident his one-year-old had passed away oh. his girlfriend um hospital like clinging to life and I tried to help him as much as I could you know he said he was suicidal and all these things and it got to the point where I was like I can't help him anymore he's yeah. done so much to me that this isn't my role so I kindly and politely said that I couldn't handle helping him and I'm sorry, but he needs to find someone else to confide in. And then, yeah, it was like a couple of months later, I was talking to a mutual friend who went to school with him and I was telling him what going on. I was like, oh, this sounds horrible. You know, I always want to but kind of get him a little bit, but this is horrible and I would mm. never wish that on anyone. And he turned around and he's like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? And he pulled up his Facebook. He's like, Lauren, his son's not dead and nothing had actually happened and I I was in shock again
1: yeah
0: <laughs> and that I just left it there like I thought wow okay he's never going to change and funnily enough on Mother's Day went for a picnic with my mum and dad and he walked straight past and smiled at me for the first time seeing him in 15 years wow oh that <laughs> gives me chills That was like, was that last week, two weeks ago? Yeah,
1: walked straight past. Oh, just recently, just last Mother's Day, just gone. Oh, my gosh. I think so many listeners would be able to, maybe not to the extent that you experienced, but be able to resonate with that toxic relationship that we tolerate more than we should have. How long were you together and then what kind of impact did that have on you going forward once you'd broken up?
0: Uh, So we were together about 11 or so months. And then after that ended, uh, there was some, like, phone call taunting and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know how long it took for that to wear off. Um, But I kind of ignored everything that I was feeling for a while and kind of felt good that I was released from it all. But then, obviously, the mental side of it kicked in soon enough and that was me for, like, the next four-odd years was dealing with stuff that I'd suppressed (laughs) and dealing with a very – horrible coping mechanism
1: yeah how do you remember how dark it got in those state in that stage I wanted to die yeah say,
0: I wanted to be dead I couldn't deal with it anymore and at that stage like I hid all the violence from my parents until it was over so I'd suppressed enough mm. to do a lot of damage to myself and because depression and anxiety back then everyone thought you were a freak no one understood no one understood why I had so much time off school no one understood why I'd write myself off at parties and just disappear Uh, and no one kind of wanted to understand at the same time I had my very close friends that would stick with me through anything in my life but I also lost a lot of friends purely because they didn't understand what was going on with me yeah and the stigma was very, very high at that stage, so that was also what did a lot of damage to me to keep doing what I was doing in terms of destruction, destruction of my life.
1: You yeah. mentioned before that you had a destructive coping mechanism, and just then that you were destroying your life. What in what ways were you doing that?
0: Oh, I was partying really hard. I was going from like Thursday through Sunday, and you know you'd do pre-drinks from five in the afternoon and you wouldn't get home till five o'clock the next morning Mm. and then you get up and do it all over again and yeah I like I don't even know how I was paying to drink so much like I most of the time I didn't have a job I was just whatever money I had I was like sweet I can go to the valley now Mm. and that was how I did it because I felt like when I was partying I was accepted even though Mm. I was dealing with a lot of pain there was this big group of people even though you wouldn't see them from the likes of Monday through Thursday <laughs> you'd see them out and you're like you know what, these people care like these people care if I'm gone and that's pretty much what I was doing but then the Monday through any other day I was overdosing on prescription pills <laughs> multiple suicide attempts that was how I was coping
1: my goodness can you imagine now being among yourself how you're parents and your family must have felt during this period have they spoken to you what it was like for them
0: we don't really speak about it um I'm a little bit different to my sisters so there has been a stage where I've gotten in an argument with one of my sisters about it where you know she's very different to me in terms of emotions she's a very like I'm strong in a different way to how she's strong she can handle so much and just water off her ducks back with her. Whereas me, I can handle things, but I also have to process them uh, mm. mentally and do a lot of what the things to get through them. Even though I do it and look strong while I'm doing it, I'm also battling a lot at the same time. And there's come to a stage where we had this conversation, or well, it wasn't a conversation, it was an argument. And I was like, you wouldn't even understand what it's like to to cope with depression, to cope with anxiety and bad days. And she's like, Lauren, I sat around trying to do my uni work, watching you try to kill yourself before you. Wow. Don't tell me I don't understand. And that stopped me in my tracks. I'm like, fuck. Excuse my French, but it um it hit me really hard. Going, you know what? I've never even thought about the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I spend every day trying to help people with challenges with their mental health now and I see their side, but I never imagined who was on the other side of mine because I was I was in and out of hospital and I did get found after an attempt multiple times. So no, I never thought about how it felt for that and yeah that that helped me realize a lot Mm. you've
1: said uh you didn't expect to be alive past your 21st birthday and from what I've read you said that very very confidently why did you I guess why didn't you see beyond that milestone
0: I think I was just in enough pain where I was like you know what I've had enough fun I'm ready to go and I didn't because I wasn't able to keep a job I hadn't so I'd done my personal training course but I was the last person that should have been training anyone because I wasn't even exercising so I think I just it was always it would take a little thing to switch me where I'd be like you know what I'm just gonna go do it now I'd have a fight with mum and dad that would be a trigger. I would have a fight with my sisters. That would be a trigger. One of my friends or I'd get dumped by a boyfriend or a guy I was saying, that would be a trigger. So I was just I was just waiting for something to trigger me enough where I could just use it as an excuse to go. Wow.
1: And
0: I, I remember that feeling so clearly even to this day. The wonderful
1: thing for everyone in your life is that you are still here. What do you think kept you going?
0: You know what? <laughs> I've been told before that I shouldn't say it, but my kids are the reason that I changed my life. I always felt like I would never really had a purpose. And when I felt pregnant, it was like, I have a purpose now. There's someone inside me and there's someone that's going to need me for the rest of their lives. I don't have a choice anymore. So that whole thought of just getting rid of myself went straight out the window because I couldn't do that to someone else.
1: Mm. There was a reason bigger than you.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I was pretty black and white back then. But, yeah, the, just when it came to me having a purpose in life, that was definitely it.
1: Yeah. You also battled, and you've been very vocal about it, you've battled an eating disorder. Can you tell us what that experience was like for you?
0: Um, well, I was at that stage, I had a really great partner and he was so amazing. And something about me, I think, you know, we'd go out all the time with his friends and everyone was super awesome, but I always felt like I was the bigger girl out of everyone. And one of the girls had talked to me about how she'd had an eating disorder and she was still quite, really, like, quite thin. And everyone thought that she was really pretty and all this. And I think something in my mind, mental illness always stuck around with me. And even though I was a lot happier, it just, Became an obsession with oh, I think maybe people will notice me more if I lose weight, and I I definitely remember not needing to lose any. But mm. <laughs> yeah, just one day I started challenging myself with how many days can I go without eating? Because even though my boyfriend was amazing and we lived together, he was also at work all the time, and then what well, like he was a stoner, so mm. didn't pay attention to much that i was doing so i could get away with it and um yeah it just kind of went from there where i people started to notice i was losing weight and so i kept going with it because people noticed
1: and isn't that the horrible thing that when people lose weight everyone thinks that they're they're assumes that they're healthier and they're doing better and they must have their life together because they've lost weight when not that isn't always the case
0: yeah exactly Exactly. And I mean, even with this Adele thing at the moment with everyone yes. glamorizing how much she's lost, I, oh gosh, this is so dangerous for so many people. Yeah, we
1: yeah. have not. That was the example I was going to bring up. Actually, we have no idea what's going on <laughs> behind closed doors and how she's actually looking after herself. But we assume just because someone's lost weight, that means that, yeah, they've got their life together.
0: Exactly. Exactly. That's why I've, with as being a personal trainer, I've always focused on the the inside of things and how they feel about themselves rather than, how they look.
1: Absolutely. And I'd love to ask you about that. What impact did training to become a personal trainer have on your wellbeing?
0: Uh, when I was in a relationship with the kids, dad, and this was before Max even existed. Um, we were what I call a strobe light relationship. So we were never on for very long. And I lived at my mum and dad's with Maddie most of the time. So handling full-time work, Mads and, then trying to find something that made me happy was something that I needed to work out. And I started going to the gym also to try and help myself. Um, After having Maddie make sure that I didn't get back into the mindset of an eating disorder. So I joined a gym and started working out and that was my, I would get up at three in the morning. So while Maddie was still asleep, so I could go, And push in my gym session, get home, and then Max would wake up and my day would start. That's how dedicated I was to just doing that hour of stuff for me. And then I did a comp, had Max and continued training all through that pregnancy with Max. And once I became a single mom, I thought, Ooh, I've got two kids to look after on my own now. I've got to do something with my life and really make the most of it. So that's when I decided to go and do a course to be a trainer.
1: Mm, mm. I'd love to take a step back then when you said that um, you found out you are pregnant with Maddie and you said a little earlier that that's when everything changed. Can you give us a real glimpse into what your mindset was like and exactly what you were thinking when those two pink lines on the pregnancy stick showed up. How did that change your life?
0: Oh, gosh. I absolutely shit myself and cried for days.
1: (laughs) I totally feel you.
0: (laughs) I hadn't been with their dad for very long. So, I, um, yes, shitting myself is an understatement and I didn't go to work for quite a few days just from having panic attacks and crying so much I'm meant to do now. I'm screwed. But at the same time, so like in happiness was gonna gonna hit me very soon. I just I was I was freaking the fuck out because I was only like 21 or 22. Yeah. So I thought, oh, oh, this could be good or this could be bad.
1: Yeah. And then I read somewhere that you then went and ate a foot long Subway. <laughs> you are like, this is the this is the end of the old me and this is the beginning of the new me almost.
0: Exactly. Yep. Um, I worked in a, I was in telco at that stage and I was the only female employee. So imagine working with a bunch of guys who do not understand pregnancy oh God. and, you know, had seen me kind of not eat very much in my lunch breaks. And then all of a sudden walk in with a footlong sub. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I think in their heads, like something's up. <laughs> uh,
1: yes. And then a couple of years later, you then had Max, which saw you plunge into the depths of postnatal depression, which you've spoken about very openly. What was that period like for you? Can you give listeners an idea of what it's like to battle PND?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I honestly thought that I'd get out of it unscathed and that was very naive of me. I was very high risk, to be honest. And Max didn't sleep. So since he was born, the amount of sleep that I was getting was maybe 20 minutes at a time if I was lucky. Wow. And most of the time that was on the lounge room floor with him on my chest because the only way that he would sleep was skin to skin. And, the sleep deprivation, like Maddie's a beautiful kid. She's always been so well behaved. And I just remember parenting becoming super overwhelming. Even just her asking for a snack mm. would make me cry going, someone just stop asking me for something and someone please just offer to help. And it just, it was day after day after day. And then being in a toxic relationship at the same time was just, there was, there was no love being shown towards me. Yes, from children, but then at that stage you need something a little bit more. And uh, I was struggling really bad. And, and when you've got your mental health being used as a a weapon against you as kind of a, a way to make fun of you, it just makes it 10 times worse. So I went to the doctor and obviously I had it I was still training. I was still doing everything I could for me, but in terms of functioning and getting the washing done, cooking dinners, looking after children, I, oh God, it chokes me up now because I was so mm. exhausted that mm. I thought I'm just, these kids deserve so much better than me. And that I think was the worst feeling because, oh, sorry. Oh this no, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's that feeling
1: as mothers we feel like we're failing our children all the time. Absolutely,
0: yeah. And I think after being on my own with them for so long, um, you know, you have to learn to pat yourself on the back Um, because, you know, the kids say thank you and you know they love you but you've also got a lot of people around you, especially people that are married or don't have children. Mm -hmm. They don't understand the extent of what a single parent does. And yeah. even, you know, my parents are very supportive, but, you know, you sit around at a family dinner and they invite you to a family dinner, forgetting that you've got to pay for two other kids' dinners and you can't because you're one income.
1: Totally. And it's just about having. I forget. <laughs> no, it's about having someone at the end of the day as well, which yeah. always gets me just to walk in at. 6pm and just help or just be there to listen or, and especially as all this COVID stuff has happened, it's when I felt the loneliest because, you know, I'm putting my son to bed and you're just sitting there going by yourself on the couch going, what the fuck is going on in the world? And there's no one there to, I guess, make you feel better or or to bounce ideas off. And as you said, you have your children and you love them and they love you so much, but it's different to having that adult connection. And it's really, really challenging.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I loved being on my own. Um, the initial fear went away after a while, but it's um, there's only so much that you can kind of take when people don't understand and you want to shout from the rooftops. Like, I did everything that you did today yep. on my own. And... You know, you don't, everyone, as soon as you say something, people think that you're asking for pity. It's like, no, we just want someone to tell us, you know, thank you. Yeah, We just want someone to pat us on the back and say, fuck, I'd never be able to do what you do. And, you know, and you'd know this when you explain to someone about co-parenting or anything Mm. to do with single parenting and they go, gosh, I don't know how you do that. And to us, it's just the norm. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't shock us. It's just what we know now. And that doesn't make me feel any better that someone doesn't know how I handle it. But it's, I think it just, it it should be an eye open at people to really appreciate what they do have when they do have something really amazing.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Makes me
0: more grateful for what I've got with Chris now because I know what it's like on the other side.
1: Yeah. And how did you, you know, and during this time you, um, I've read that you then decided to move back in with your parents and end the relationship and go at it as a single mum. How did you then pull yourself out of this, these feelings and this P&D and, and this, you know, really difficult time?
0: Uh, you know what I did things a little bit differently this time with my mental health so in the past i had done the medication and you know the traditional methods I guess you'd say and this time around it was starting to become more of a forefront in the media with everyone Um, so I was very lucky that with the blogging that I'd started to do and the position that I was in that I could remain really open which is quite therapeutic Um, but instead of going to mum and dad's, I literally, I started house hunting with the two kids while I was still at their dad's, totally forgetting that a three-year-old would kind of blurt that out to him. So we'd be looking at a couple of places and then it got to the point where I was like, oh, Maddie's giving me up now. So that started making things even more toxic that he knew that I was trying to just work out what I could do to help me and that i you know our relationship was just not gonna cut it anymore and i applied for a place that i hadn't seen i didn't know where it was i knew the suburb and it was the cheapest one i could find in the area and i got it and you know i was kind of taunted that i'd never be able to get anywhere on my own so when i got it i was like okay this is real i'm gonna do this now and uh I, you know, in the midst of postnatal, you went from being excited, but then you'd be like, fuck, how am I going to pay for this? Like, I'm screwed. And we fought about it and then he's like, no, nah, get out, go. And I'm all right, cool, that's all I needed. So I left everything there. I bought the kids the cheapest IKEA furniture I could find. Max is still a baby, so, you know, you call your change table, Mad's in a bed. I slept on a mattress for the first six, seven months um just on the floor and you know max was starting to crawl luckily the place was so tiny that you could sit in any part of it and be able to see where he's crawling and yet yeah, challenged myself which you know what i look back and think that was the best thing i could have ever done because mm. not only did i remove myself from a toxic relationship but i also challenged myself to do something that people around me and also my mental health was telling me that I couldn't do.
1: Yeah.
0: And I kind of challenged my own norm and paid my own bills, furnished my house, did it all on my own. All I did was ask Dad to help me with a trailer and that was the only help I did ask for. Wow. And then started the life with the kids and it was just us three and I, the only thing that I did for myself was that 45 minutes at the gym and put them in the crèche for it so Mm. you know we worked out a routine and there was lots of hard times to it but then at the same time I gained a lot of my girlfriends back who kind of came over and said we're so proud of you for leaving and yeah wow then I started to realize that a lot of my unhappiness was coming from an out you know outside source
1: (laughs) and yeah you started your blog mad max mum as you mentioned before What was your thinking when you first launched it and how long did it take for other mums to resonate and get in touch with you?
0: Um, It was just a shitty little website when I first started it and I wrote things going, oh no, like I've never told this stuff to anyone. I'm so scared of what reaction I'm going to get and it blew up. I never imagined how many people were sitting at home feeling the exact way that I did or had in the past. And people just appreciated the honesty. And I felt like it opened up a can of worms for them and myself. And it was so freeing. It was so amazing to talk to other people that I didn't feel alone. And it was also doing the same for them. And it it just went from there, honestly. People picked it up and people, you know, mums share that stuff. Mums share everything that they love with another mum that they love. And that's pretty much how it got to where it is.
1: Mm. How did that help your own journey sharing
0: your deepest vulnerabilities with the world? How did that help you heal? Oh, my gosh. I hid my story for so long that it did more damage than good. Mm. And I realized how beneficial it is to be vulnerable and how much strength it takes to be vulnerable and how amazing, even though you might not voice what's happened to you to a person that understands, but there could be a silent audience member Mm -hmm. that needed to hear that. And that's the most rewarding part for me. I say and share my story because it's pretty effed up and I know that someone out there would have been through the same thing that's sitting there scared to say or act on it. And it's just a way of trying to encourage people to not be suffering silence anymore. Mm. Suffering silence sucks. I know from experience mm. and if, you know, it, it can do a whole lot of difference just by being honest with yourself and other people. In a really weird way,
1: when you get messages from and emails from women saying all oh, what you've done for them without you even realizing you've done it, does it make everything you've gone through all worth it?
0: Oh my gosh. The, I can't tell you the amount of times that a message from one of my followers has absolutely changed my day or i've been lacking motivation thinking that oh no one gives a shit if i don't post on instagram mm-hmm. i might as well just stop and then i get a message saying thank you and you know i've even had uh, a time this is probably the most memorable time i was about to drop maddie at school and we were walking up and this lady stopped in her tracks and she's like are you lauren and i said yes she goes she burst into tears and said, thank you so much. I can't even explain how much you've helped me over the years. But she had to quickly rush off and all I wanted to do was give her a hug and thank her back. Mm. I thought, oh, you know what, this is why I do what I do. There's so many rewarding aspects to my job. When people look at me and don't necessarily understand what I do, I don't care what they think. I know the rewarding aspects and, and that type of thing is the best thank you ever. And a lot of my job isn't paid either. I do a lot of this purely out of passion for wanting to help people make the best of their lives.
1: Absolutely. And what is the main thing you want others to get out of hearing your story?
0: I want people to not be afraid to speak up and say when they're not Okay. I I've been there where I you know you pretend all the time and I used to go by the um fake it till you make it but that's a load of shit don't fake it till you make it you can do that as a real estate agent or a job where you've got to pretend to look like something you're not but when it comes to your mental health and your emotional well-being that's just that's not how it goes speak up be absolutely honest with how you feel if if you're in a relationship that's not healthy for you Yes, it's scary to walk away, but think about the rest of your life and how it can change from there. And, you know, we don't get promised every single day. I tried to take my life away from me and I would never do that again because I know there's so much more to live. So, yeah, it's really just making people forget about the stigma, even though there's not much left, and find the strength to be vulnerable and change their lives because they could do it right now potentially change the rest of their lives
1: there have been so many chapters in your life and you've only just turned 30 what are the main (laughs) lessons that you've learned so far
0: if something doesn't make you happy don't do it that's the biggest one i i am so quick to shut toxic people out of my life now i (laughs) <laughs> Chris and I don't fight but I will definitely tell him when I've got the shits because I don't hold up <laughs> and I am very independent now I've learned that it doesn't matter if I'm with someone or not I can do anything that I want on my own and I won't ever let t- someone tell me that I can't do something because I'm more of the just fucking watch me then that person so <laughs> I've been through a lot, but I'd never change it for the world because I wouldn't be who I am today without it.
1: Absolutely. And isn't that a testament to what this whole podcast is all about is turning your lemons into lemonade and making it all worth everything that you've gone through to be helping other people. How important is it to, because you do a lot of public speaking as well, to actually be able to voice and speak your message to people to help them out of a rut?
0: It is the best job in the world. Like I shit myself for every single talk that I give and I'll stand back there shaking. No one's allowed to talk to me. I'll need 1,100 toilet breaks. But as soon as I'm on that stage, I am just in my zone. Like the last talk I did, I was booked for 45 minutes. I spoke for an hour and a half. So... <laughs> it kind of got to the end and I was like why didn't anyone stop me they're like because people were still listening so I I thought okay cool I I just ah something about it Mm. especially when the kids are watching or mum and dad are watching it's like fuck like 10 years ago who would have thought that I'd be up on stage talking to people helping them to change what I needed to change back then it's absolutely baffling and i wish i could do it every single day to be honest
1: that leads just so perfectly it's almost like we scripted it into my next question because you are entering a new chapter and you've got this beautiful relationship with your childhood friend chris and you're having a baby together how has this version of lauren changed from the lauren of a decade ago
0: honestly like chris has a lot to do with this he was one of my best friends after the relationship that I'd been in and he never knew about any of this stuff. Uh, When I was with him, I just felt loved and supported and in every way possible. He was just that type of friend. And then when we reconnected uh, a little over two years ago now, uh, we accidentally moved across the road from each other and um, he just made me feel that way all over again. So there's that aspect of being with Chris that makes me feel like I'm young and fun again and, and he's never cared about my mental health or, you know, if I've got anxiety or I've got depression, he accepts me in every single way possible. So it's just crazy how essentially it's, it's like if I thought back 10 years ago, if we'd just made that move and said we liked each other, would all of these things happened? Would I have been so much better off? But it's like, no, he we still know how to go to the pub and have a beer and -hmm. chill out the same way we used to 10 years ago. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's so weird. It sounds so, he hates being romantic. So all these (laughs) things are absolutely cringe. (laughs) I think that is such an important message
1: though, because a lot of women, I know, get caught up in, if only I'd not met this person, if only this hadn't happened, I could have been living this life or um, regretting certain things. But that, what you said just then is so perfect that all these things are supposed to happen in our life to bring us to where we're supposed to be, no matter how painful it is. Is that how you feel about your past? Because you, maybe you and Chris might not have worked back then like you work now.
0: Exactly. I, I mean, even when we first started hanging out, he he had this little struggle where he'd look at the kids and be like, they could have been mine. And I'm like, no, you've got to stop that. So he had to stop that. And then I'm like, but they wouldn't be Maddie and Max.
1: I also want to touch on about, um, you know, we've said that you are a PT and you are so motivating to women out there to take care of their, you know, of course their mental health, but, a natural progression from your mental health is your physical health as well is about, you know, if you are a single mum, you can just do a backyard workout. You don't need to be going to the gym. How important is it for you to be inspiring women to be taking care of all components of their health, physical, mental, emotional, everything?
0: It's so important because that's how I survived being a single parent. And it doesn't matter whether you're a single parent or a, you know, a married parent we all have the capacity to be able to look after ourselves and i'm i cut the bullshit when it comes to excuses so when someone tells me i have to homeschool kids i have to cook dinners i have to do this i'm like you know what so do i yeah but i can't stand excuses get the kids and do a workout with the kids go for a walk with the kids put them on their bikes have you got a trampoline use it exercise can be done in so many forms and it kind of grinds my gears when people just use excuse after excuse after excuse I can't stand it gives me the shits and that's the type of trainer I am (laughs) (laughs) I love that get up and do it (laughs) all of my clients know if they're going to be one minute late it's 10 burpees per minute so you know I it's cutting the crap because I feel like when it comes to achieving things that you want to achieve if you make excuses and you're cuddled for it it's never going to change Mm -hmm. and that's with mental and physical health if you keep making excuses and especially as a single parent there's no one there going oh fuck like shut up just go out and do it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're gonna keep making those excuses and nothing's ever going to change so it's all about a that's always been my goal with the way that I try to motivate people. It might be a bit hard assed and it may not be for everyone, but I don't really care. I'll appeal to the right people. Yeah. And the people that need to be kicked up the ass for making excuses will pull my foot out of their ass and go and do what they need to. So It
1: just goes hand in hand and that many women that contact me and I'm sure so many more contact you wanting advice to get out of a rut and The simplest advice, of course, is taking care of your mental health, but your physical health, you have to eat well, you have to get out and move your body. Otherwise, you've got, you know, Buckley's chance of feeling any better. It's all one. It's all so holistic.
0: Exactly. And it's not as difficult as many think it is. Like, I'm all about balance. So I never tell my client that they can't drink. If you want a glass or two of wine at night, have a glass or two. I don't care. Make sure that you just, if you feel shit, kind of think about what you've eaten that day or whether you were without. But my girls, most of them have been with me for so long that they're just in a good rhythm now so that they're all, they've got a nice routine where they know that they don't need to feel guilty for different types of foods going in their bodies.
1: Yeah, for being human.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You don't need to spend a million dollars on supplements. You don't need to spend a million dollars on fancy organic foods. I myself cannot afford fancy organic foods. So I shop from Aldi and Woolworths and get the best of what I can and do it the easy way. I'm all about budget cutting and basic, easy health. And Mm -hmm. I don't try to complicate it ever. So there's no need for anyone else to.
1: Yeah, I love that. And how do you maintain your mental health these days? As you said before, it's always ongoing if you've struggled with mental health issues in the past. They don't just magically go away one day. What? How do you maintain that? And do you have a toolbox of techniques you use to help take care of yourself?
0: Yeah, I have lots of different ways. Uh, obviously, the lockdown has kind of put a dent in some of them as one of them is getting out of the house mm-hmm. and it would normally be going to a, the shops or something. So I have to talk to someone mm. that day. Um, but I'm not afraid to reach out to friends. I'm not afraid to message Chris. Chris is the type of person that even though he's got a very busy job, he will drop things to talk. Um, then there's getting outside is the most ultimate one mm. that I can't recommend more. And that's something we're allowed to do. So <laughs> getting yeah. outdoors is really, really important. Otherwise, I meditate, I work out. um, And a lot of the time my anxiety is caused by something that I do have control of. So I'm a list maker and work out. I structure everything. So whether it's work that's stressing me out or co-parenting, there's lots of different things that I've learned to cope with different Mm. aspects of my life. Um, but yeah talking and getting outside are, are the biggest ones that are very easy to do.
1: Totally totally resonate with those. Speaking of co-parenting, how do you juggle and manage that hows how's that been for you?
0: a few I years on now it, I hate it so much. Mm,
1: yeah um, <laughs> 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 yeah it's um, yeah the it's, most challenging thing I've ever done that's for sure.
0: Absolutely I mean I've learned over the years. We've been in and out of lawyers, but I generally don't talk about it too not too much because, you know, those types of things are private. But it, when yep. it comes to um, the mindset of a co-parent, let's just say it like that. I've learned that I can only control what I do and say and be the best mother that I can possibly be. I can never control what their dad does, says to me. And, you know, my kids love me. They tell me all the time. So a lot of the things he does say to me, I have to wash off, even Mm -hmm. though it's very, very hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to remember that I'm doing an amazing job. And, you know, I have to ignore a lot of things that do really, really hurt me.
1: Yeah. I'm sure that was a process too. I'm sure it wasn't always so easy to do that.
0: No, no. There was... um, there was probably eighteen months there where mm-hmm. I thought I was going to lose the plot, yep. and you know that the, <laughs> the oh, stress yeah. <laughs> is just not worth it. Yeah, <laughs> you know it was it was good that I was on my own for that time because mm. I think I would have scared any potential partner off <laughs> with the stress that I was under. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. that
1: that say. advice though, you can only control yourself; you can't control them, is invaluable.
0: Absolutely. And uh, that's uh, that's the biggest piece of advice that I ever give to a co-parent because there's so much that we stress about in our lives, especially with our babies, that we think we're not doing a good enough job, but generally we're only stressing about it because someone else has told us that or instilled that fear in us. And we can control whether we respond or react to that. And mm. that's what I've learned absolutely
1: now with so much going on now where do you see yourself in five years when you look in your crystal ball oh my gosh
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> three kids which i never thought i'd see myself with uh chris better put a ring on it and <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Maddie is kind of <laughs> forcing it because I we watched a TV show the other day. I cried engagements, as I mentioned before, mm-hmm. and Maddie was right next to me. And uh she said, Are you jealous? I'm like, No, Madison, stop it. She goes, I can talk to Chris if you want. I'm like, stop it. No. Stop it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, I went to Chris first, and I'm like, just by the way, Maddie might come and talk to you and say you might need to marry me. (laughs) So I got to him first because I'm like, if he sits there, he's going to be like, what do you, what do you guys talk about during the day? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I, I have big plans for my business. Uh, Being pregnant, if anything, makes everything better as well. It opens up a lot of opportunities. So in the next five years, I'd absolutely love to do a lot more public speaking. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been on my goal list and provoked by my father to write a book. Yeah. Um, and, you know, do those days, continue with what I'm doing, just do it on a much larger scale. I always think, like, I want to do this way bigger, and then it scares the shit out of me, so I don't do it yet. So it's yeah. just getting the ball to it.
1: Now, Lauren, I finished with this question with all my guests. And what would Lauren now? Tell the Lauren in her darkest days when it all felt very, very, very difficult and very dark.
0: Oh, I would I'd say, please tell someone, please share this with someone, and that it will all be okay when you do. That's nice and simple. i I it makes me want to cry thinking about if I could go back and actually talk to myself and just say, lauren, it's it's gonna be okay. And you'll get there predominantly on your own. Never would have thought that. And I don't think Lauren back then would have believed it either. So (laughs) get off that.
1: (laughs) Made me a little emotional hearing you say that too. That's beautiful. It's such, (laughs) such sage advice for anyone going through a tough time is just to talk it out. So that's beautiful, beautiful words to finish on. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you very much for having me. I really
1: appreciate it. Oh, it was awesome. Thank you for being so candid and honest. And it was, you you continue to help so many people. So on behalf of, you know, all your followers and everyone that's followed you along the way, we're so excited to see where your life takes you. And um, thank you for everything you do. Thank you.
0: I'm going to go get a lemonade now. Perfect. Some sugar. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this chat. You can follow Lauren at underscore 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 Lauren Kate that's three underscores I'll also tag it in the show notes you can also get in touch with me as per usual at Elizabeth Anil. your support of Lemonade helps it grow and allows me to spend time finding awesome guests to share with you just like Lauren clicking subscribe hitting five stars and leaving a review sharing it with your friends on social media or via word of mouth it all really helps and I so appreciate anything you have time for stay well and I'll be back with you on Thursday for another meeting week squeeze. Bye!